Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer. It's so nice to be back with you again. And I was just thinking about our last show. We were talking about Lyme's disease and how you needn't be afraid of Lyme's disease in the sense that there's so many things you can do for precaution. You can use the lemongrass because ticks don't like that. And you can also give yourself prophylactically the Lyme's nozode 200C prior to tick season. So that will help your body to be aware of any exposure that it might come in contact with so that it can fight it. And like I said, I originally was told that Lyme's was a virus. And so I said, no big deal because all viruses you use the belladonna to interrupt that virus and then just go ahead and treat the symptoms. But Lyme's is actually a bacterial infection that once it infects the body, it grows and causes all sorts of havoc. Again, meningitis, we talked about that in the last show as well. That can be viral or bacterial. And depending on whether it's viral or bacterial, you treat those symptoms with different homeopathic remedies accordingly. For instance, the bacterial meningitis, depending on the symptoms, I know James Tyler Kent used to use apis. He called it the brain scream remedy because that apis has an affinity for the linings of the body. And the meninges of the brain are linings, of course, the lining of the brain. So that James Tyler Kent used apis for that type of meningitis and other diseases where the linings were affected. The viral meningitis is cured, cured, I kid you not, by belladonna. We've talked about that in prior shows. So depending on the the symptoms and yes, even the cause Um, we choose our remedies accordingly. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about bacterial infections today, Um, the difference between bacterial and viral. I think we've touched on this in the past, but I just want to touch on it again because so many people say, oh, I have, you know, they think they have to go to the doctor immediately for, you know, their symptoms or the disease. And I just want to encourage you to say, you know, you don't have to run to the doctor. If someone isn't dying, (laughs) you still have time to play and figure it out. And I will say that in rare, rare occasions when someone is so, so sick that they don't even seem to be responding to the homeopathic remedies, I have used colloidal silver to bring them back. And it only works, colloidal silver only works if it is a bacterial infection. Again, it's like the antibiotics don't work on viral diseases. They tend to work only on bacterial. The antibiotics only suppress the symptoms, just like colloidal silver. Colloidal silver will tend to kill the bacteria and... Antibiotics will kill bacteria as well, but it can't get all of it because it runs around and tries to eat up the bacteria, and it can never catch it, where colloidal silver smothers the bacteria. So they work entirely differently, so I always like to use the colloidal silver instead. And so knowing that, let's talk about treating the symptoms of particular bacterial infections. What are some bacterial infections? Now, my Latin is not real well. <laughs> I don't. My kids know Latin a lot better than I do. But we have 
so many different bacterial infections that we have nicknames for them. So I'm just going to kind of skip over some of these that I absolutely do not know how to say. (laughs) One, I had a case not too long ago of brucellosis. And we used to call that just a cattle disease. We, We did not realize that humans could get this type of disease. And brucellosis would cause, tend to cause miscarriage, a spontaneous miscarriage in the cattle. And come to find out, humans can get it as well through the cattle. And that can cause all sorts of problems. One of the main problems that it can cause is arthritis, rheumatic type symptoms, swollen knuckles, things like that. Who would have thought, right? So in a case like that, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about some of the diseases and we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the ways that we can treat them. You always treat the symptoms, okay? You don't treat the disease, you treat the symptoms. Um, We have rickets. Rickets was a sort of typhus. Burkholderas, and they say in the medical world that once you have Burkholderas, you're always going to have it. And the hippozonium and the pertussis, uh, those are types of diseases within that group of bacterial diseases. And then the nezarels, that's where the meningitis comes from. And then we have all of the Campylobacter, the spirochetes, that's the Lyme's disease, wheels, the syphilinum, mycositis, and then we have anthrax, Listerosis, Staphylococcinum, Enterococcinum, the Lactobacillus, which that's a good one. Those are those are good bacteria. And then we have the Streptococcinum. And then you have the food poisonings, botulism, Clostridium. And oddly enough, the DPT vaccine is in that group of Clostridales. The tetanus nozode and the tetanus is a Clostridium as well. You have the Chlamydia. And then you have the Actin... I call it the actinomyoses. Um, and then you have uh, diphtheria is in that group of bacteria, corneobacteria. The list goes on and on. We have all the tuberculosis type bacterias. And I know from studying the Gould's Medical Dictionary in here, there's, uh, the book I'm looking at right now only has a dozen type of tuberculosis strains, but I know there's about 25. You have leprosy and you have all the streps you know, the strep-type bacterias. The list goes on and on of the types of bacterias that can affect us in our daily lives. So there are some books, like right now I'm actually, Lewis Klein's Miasms and Nozodes book is the one I'm actually looking at right right now. And it's it's kind of a helpful book to help us understand. It's, it's pretty in-depth, okay? So unless you really plan on studying homeopathy, you probably don't want to try reading this book because you'll get even more confused. But this book helps us to understand the miasms, the state of disease and its affiliation or its correspondence to a particular type of bacteria. So why is this person over here more susceptible, say, to tuberculosis and this person over here more susceptible to food poisoning or this person over here more susceptible to strep throat or, you know, all the different types of bacteria that we succumb to more easily? Why is that? Again, it's our state of disease, our miasm. And our, in other words, our susceptibility to a particular disease. Because you, you can have some people that never, ever have food poisoning. You know, they could, they could eat just about anything and it's never going to bother them. Somebody else even looks at something funny and they're going to succumb to the food poisoning. Why is that? Well, like this book does help explain that. Like I said, it's, it's pretty in-depth. So I wouldn't recommend it to the average Joe. But I've found it extremely helpful in my studies. Anyway, so... 
how do we treat particular bacterial infections? I can honestly say that as a mother, grandma, wife, I kind of have a protocol that I, it's my go-to. If I suspect any sort of um, bacterial infection, there's usually, it usually comes on very quickly, has a high fever, and then there will be other symptoms, you know, whether they be swollen lymph nodes or red lines showing that there's, it's already moved into like a blood poisoning type situation or whatever's going on. There's always symptoms. And so I have, like I said, I have set protocols. If there's a red line, you sus- suspect a blood poisoning like that, I like to use Ledum and Hypericum. But I'll always throw in pyrogenium as well because that means that there's a red line. It's already affecting the blood. Pyrogenium for sepsis, infection of the blood. If I suspect strep throat, things like that, that type of bacteria affects the lymphs of the body because as the, the lymph system is trying to screen the strep, the glands will become inflamed. And so I like to either use mercurius if the skin is moist or, or hepersulf if the skin is dry. And again, pyrogenium. If the lymphs are affected, I add phytoloca to the mix. Phytoloca is always, always to be thought of when the lymph system is affected. Lately, there's been something that goes around that there's a huge swelling of the parotoid gland, the lymph system of the neck, and it's even distorting the, the throat, the way the throat looks. So I just go ahead and I, I treat it like they would have treated mumps back in the day. Because remember, mumps are supposed to be eradicated even though we continue to vaccinate for them. And so mumps affects the parotoid gland. So you can give parotoid nozode prophylactically to immunize your family if it's in the area, or if you suspect there's symptoms of mumps, you give pilocarpinum. And that cures it. I kid you not, it is a cure for mumps. And anytime that parotoid gland is affected by something that it's trying to screen, I just go ahead and I use pilocarpinum anyway, because it has a fantastic affinity for the glandular system of the body. And it'll just knock it right out. You don't always have to know the name of the disease. So, you know, the world's disease kit, pilocarpinum is in there. It explains that it has an affinity for the the parotoid gland. It explains that it is the cure for the mumps. It's amazing, okay? Just like the disease polio. People say, you, I can't believe you don't immunize your kids for polio. I'm like, why would I? They would be contagious for two weeks anyway. But the point is, is we, have, we know the cure. We've known it for over 100 years. It's, it's amazing. The cure is lathyrus for polio. You can give the polio nozode prophylactically in a high potency to help immunize your, your system. But if you suspect the symptoms of polio, you just give the, the lathyrus for those symptoms. So I do have those set protocols. Like I said, for strep throat, I'm going to run by and through them again. I like to give either mercurius or hepersulf. What does that depend upon? Homeopathy for Mommy's book explains that both of those remedies are excellent for infection. Mercurius if the skin is moist, hepersulf if the skin is dry. I like to use pyrogenium, which is for when it's affected the blood. And then phytoloca for any, any lymph system aggravation. If there's any, anything, if the lymphs are involved, I, I also use phytoloca. Another thing, you can always throw silica into the mix. When you're fighting anything that you consider to be bacterial or infectious, silica or silicea, 6C is an excellent remedy to give because it helps the body to kick out what it's trying to get rid of. It just, just helps. Okay, so I tell people just don't ever hesitate to throw it in to the mix. It's a cell salt, 
and we just don't get enough of it in our diet. So what we do have, when you take the homeopathic remedy, it helps the body to read what it needs to use to get the stuff out of the body in the first place. If there is other types of infection, like um, if you suspect a food poisoning, again, we treat the symptoms. Now, in food poisoning can be from bad meat, bad drink, bad something that has affected the system. And again, for those types of bacterial infections, they're not really an infection yet because what they are is they're just making you sick. They're, they're multiplying inside the body and making you sick that way. And so the first thing you always want to give if you even suspect food poisoning is arsenicum. Arsenicum gives you time to think. And I have activated charcoal in my store. You can get activated charcoal just about anywhere. And activated charcoal is pure carbon made from vegetable resin. And what it does is when you swallow these capsules, the charcoal absorbs toxins like nobody's business. Very often if a child swallows something, they'll induce vomiting. But sometimes you don't want to induce vomiting. You just want it to pass through the body safely. That's when you give the activated charcoal. And you can give activated charcoal even if you have you know, just your digestion seems to be off. The activated charcoal will help the body to get, get rid of any residual of toxins. So I like to give that. And I've told the story about, <laughs> well, okay, one of my favorite people called me. So you have to help me. My dog is eating rat and poison. So, and I think I've told this story, but I ran over there. I gave arsenicum 200, shoved two charcoal capsules down the throat of the dog. The dog threw up, gave, I regave it, and an hour and a half, I kid you not, the dog was wagging his tail, and it was 100% okay. It, it's just amazing, because by the time I got there, the dog was seriously frothing at the mouth and walking in circles, because the poison had already affected it so much. It's amazing what arsenicum will do for that type of toxicity. So... Any type of food poisoning, any type of poisoning, period, always give arsenicum. If the arsenicum doesn't do the trick very quickly, and like I said, don't hesitate to give the activated charcoal as well, then, you know, if the food poisoning has gone into a further stage that the arsenicum isn't helping, I like to use potophyllum. Potophyllum is excellent. And remember, don't assist a scan if it looks as though your patient is suffering intensely. Don't overlook the remedy cystus can, which is rock rose. It's spelled C-I-S-T-U-S, canadensis, C-I-N-D-E-N-S-I-S, canadensis. So once you have these remedies on hand, it's amazing what you can just take care of yourself. You know, you don't have to run in and get your stomach pumped. The body just takes care of it and gets rid of it on its own. Like I've talked about several of these things in my, in my in past shows. I'm just trying to sum it up here today so that just to kind of clarify for everyone that the body can heal itself if you give it what it needs. It is absolutely amazing. So now we have these other bacterial infections and a lot of times, if, well, always, if you suppress bacterial infections, you're still going to have the residual effects of them in the future. Again, we talk about that in homeopathy, the never well since. So until we can get rid of that, never well since it's always going to be lingering. It's going to be hovering there. I had the clostridials. I have to tell you about this clostridium. There was a young man who always wore 
his hat, extremely shy. He'd pull his hood way down over his head so you could never see his eyes. And a homeopath says to me one time, you should give that kid clostridium. The, just the nose oak clostridium. We gave him a 30C. This is back in the day before. I was just kind of learning about these things. And I couldn't believe it. The kid was a different kid. Took his hat off, started talking, let people see his eyes, became animated. It was no, no longer quiet and withdrawn. So had this child had bacterial infection, a food poisoning prior to this? I don't know. It's just that he had the symptoms of what that type of bacterial infection will provoke. Amazing. And the clostridium, when they think about that, they, they, they tend to like large water blisters, especially in the bottoms of the feet and the hand, palm of the hands. They, that's one of the, the symptoms of that. And so people who have a history of a lot of water blisters, like especially unexplainable, the clostridium is, is amazing for just getting rid of those types of symptoms. So anyway... I just, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was such a believer in homeopathy when I seen that. And so I then be, believed that probably that child had had some form of food poisoning that had been suppressed at one time or another. I don't know. Different kid after that. And it was just a one-time thing. You know, it, you just get rid of the residual effects, the never well since. Or if there's just lingering effects of something that's unexplainable, because you don't know what all the other symptoms were, just treat the symptoms of the particular disease. I actually had um, an email from a woman not too long ago, and we talk about this chlamydia now with um, this, the new vir- venereal disease, that, and they're immunizing all these young people for, oh my goodness, I just, I just want to be sick when I even think about these young people being immunized like this. And they know, I mean, statistically, these young women who are being immunized, they have a 30% more likely chance of getting or cervical cancer down the road. It's, it's astronomical how when you immunize for stuff like this, the state of disease that it puts the body in, it, I'm just, I'm so afraid for, for these young people. I really am. And so I was asked, there was a young lady who was a friend of a friend who had just found out she had this and she was expecting a baby. And I asked if she had been immune, if they had given her antibiotics for this yet. I didn't know what the state was. I says, but I would only, seriously, I would treat homeopathically, and I would be very confident in using homeopathy to treat someone who has a particular disease. So with that, she says, what is the remedy for that? And I said, it depends upon what their symptoms are. And I had told her, I said, I would right away give belladonna and silica, because belladonna is, is viral, you know, it cures viral diseases, but at the same time, it puts the body unawares that it's got, a, it's got something wrong with it. So I would give the belladonna and the silicea right away, and then that person will have to be, have their symptoms treated homeopathically. Again, like cures like, so it depends on what their symptoms are. And so I just, it just makes me really, uh, I just get, I get afraid <laughs> because they compound one disease with another and no one's getting cured from anything. They just suppress it, suppress it, suppress it. And by the time people come to me, they'll be on two or three medications or a raft of medications. And I just, I can't quite understand what their line of thinking is just to continue suppressing, suppressing. Because like I said, nothing is new on the face of the planet today that hasn't been here since the beginning of time. It's always been here. The disease state, everything has been here. 
It's just that it changes according to what the situation is for our weaknesses. So it becomes rampant in, in societies where they've, their immune system is plummeted and it can no longer fight that particular situation. So that's the only reason it's like the new disease. Yes, they play with viruses and even bacterial infections in labs and so on and so forth, trying to find cures for this or cures for that. And once in a while, it'll get away from them or they'll test it on this and test it on that. But the point is, is there's nothing new. All they're doing is tweaking it, boosting it, or, and they change the names of diseases too to kind of keep us from understanding it more. And yes, you know, like the venereal diseases, the, the chlamydia and the gonorrhea and the syphilis and all those types of things, they haven't gone away. We think that they're under control. They haven't gone away. We've just changed the names of the symptoms that those types of diseases cause. So in the gonorrhea, venereal disease, we have a whole category of diseases. And the syphilis, venereal disease, we have a whole category of diseases that stems from that particular disease. So nothing's changed. It's just that we've suppressed the main disease and so we have these little squeak outs. It's like the dam. You stick your finger in one crack and it's going to, the water's going to spurt out somewhere else. And that's what they've done with these particular diseases is they've suppressed it. They've stuck their finger in that hole and now it's squeaking out somewhere else under a different name or a different rubric, so to speak. But it's the, still the same disease. It's still caused from the same type of, the same bacterium. So nothing's changed. Okay. So don't let them fool you. And a lot of people get very afraid when they find out that their disease is stemmed from this or their disease is stemmed from that. It doesn't matter. We just treat the symptoms. Because our body, when our body is exposed to a bacteria or a virus or, like I said, a shock or an incident or anything, our mind has to process that exposure. Once it's processed that exposure, it throws it out in the form of a symptom. That's the mind's way of saying, help me. Okay, And so we give it the like cures like to help it. And so once you do that, like cures like that symptom, you take that remedy and it gets rid of the body knows what to heal then and how to heal it. You give it what it needs and it heals itself. And for people who have used homeopathy all their lives, they, like I said, we're all going to die. Something's going to end up, you know, we're going to die of something. Hopefully it's just a slowing of the organs because they've gotten old and worn out and we just go to sleep one day peacefully and quietly in the presence of our family and loved ones. But once in a while we'll meet with an accident or an illness that we, our vitality is not strong enough to overcome and so then therefore the illness will take us. But for the most part, if we live a good clean life according to the way we're supposed to live, we will be able to take care of all these little diseases that come up as we go through. And so even a bacterial disease that causes frightful fever, frightful pain, red streaks, swollen limbs, whatever, they're all very, very curable with homeopathy in the sense that like cures like. And so I just really wanted to stress that. So when I have someone with strep throat, in, in addition to the hepersulfur, mercurius, and phytoloca, and silica, I also like to give streptococcinum, which is the strep throat nose out. It's not necessarily what's going to cure them, but it 
tells the body, oh, I know what I'm fighting now. And so then it will use the other remedies to cure the disease. Staph. Okay, we have all these staph infections floating around out there now. It's a bacterial infection that affects so much of our bodies. And I have people coming to me. You've all heard about MRSA. Well, I can't prove it, so I can't really say much because I can't back it up because I didn't know about copying and pasting at the time. But when I first started studying MRSA, you know, when I first heard about it, I found this this group of medical students. They they knew antibiotics didn't work, so they started testing herbs, and they found an herb that had a 100% cure rate for MRSA. It was amazing. So anyway, this group of people that I study with, we got together and we decided that if you use this particular herb and you use the nozode that would wake up the body and tell it what it's fighting, this MRSA, you know, and then use silicea or silica, let's see what would happen. Well, I will tell you, there was a young man who was the son of a friend's friend. They sent him home to die. It was a different state, long ways away. They sent him home to die from MRSA. His wife and two daughters had already been infected, um, weren't symptomatic, but they were. They tested positive. So this young man went home to die, and what else did they have to lose? So they called us up here, and I said, okay, guys, this is a perfect way that we can test our theory here. So we sent him what we thought would work according to the research I had found years ago that was now gone off the internet and I had no proof of and the nozode and silica and I believe to this day several years later now that he is completely symptom free and his wife and two daughters as well of course there's no cure for MRSA so in the allopathic world he is in complete remission type of thing but we've used this several times I've seen it work several times now this protocol that we've come up with that I can't really talk about, but I just want you to know that there are cures for these types of bacterial infections. The body heals itself when given what it needs. So don't hesitate, you know, like that's why I say nourish the body, good food, good water, essential oils, and nutrients, like nutrient-rich herbs that feed the body for particular weaknesses. And I know there's so much, there's so much discussion out there about what we can or can't talk about. And so I am kind of careful. I find that I'm being quite careful on my shows here because I had one young lady come in and she says, Sue, she said, I I sell a particular type of essential oil. And she said, if I get caught saying anything, making any claims about this particular essential oil, she says, they can come in and they can shut me down right now and take everything I have. I says, you've got to be joking me. She says, no. And I says, so, okay, so we have to be very careful. I, I encourage everyone out there to buy old books because, yes, they have to take the stuff out of these books now. And we have to be careful what we say. But that isn't going to stop you from buying the old books, from doing research from old information, because they could still say it before a couple, three years ago. So let's, you know, kind of all jump on board and try to help each other that way. And like I said, in the meantime, I have to be kind of careful. So anyway, back to bacterial infection. Don't think you can't fight this stuff because you absolutely can. Get the nozodes on hand, get silica on hand, get pyrogenium on hand, have colloidal silver in case of a severe emergencies. Then I say to people when the vitality isn't strong enough for the homeopathic remedies to work, they've got to be pretty dang sick before I'll resort to colloidal silver. Because the body, like on a scale of one 
or zero to a hundred. Uh, from zero to 50, the body, the vitality is still good enough that it can very quickly respond to homeopathic remedies and heal itself. From 50 to 75, the body is in excruciating pain and it's got to be the exact right remedy for the body to respond to it in a very quick manner. Um, as long as it doesn't go over that 75, so to speak, for vitality, you know, lack of vitality, I should say, then you know, the body's going to be able to respond to those homeopathic remedies. After the body goes from 75 to 100, we're talking pain, um, loss of vitality, and even loss of sensation. That means the body is dying. It's going, you know, it's, it's dying. And so it's really hard to bring back the, bo- the body from slipping away at that point. So in rare occasions, like I said, that's when I'll use the, if I know it's a bacterial infection, I'll use the colloidal silver. It will kill the bacteria and bring the body back enough that the homeopathic remedies can then work, or we'll do the cleanup later. And, um, but sometimes, you know, like, especially, you know, like in such a case of disease when the body is so, so sick, it's really, really hard for it to rally its vitality to start healing itself because you don't want to, and you have to keep the homeopathic remedy potencies low at that point too, because you don't want to try to heal itself too quickly because the vitality is not strong enough for that. So like I said, I, I would just meant a group of homeopathic families and they're dealing with homeopaths that use a lot of high potencies. See, I don't have, I'm not in that school of thought when it comes to acute disease. I'm in the 30Xs, 6C, 30C. I'm in that school of thought because that's where you get such quick and complete healing when it's an acute disease. Except for when it's a small child, I like to use the 200s. Um, I will admit that because they tend to have a naturally higher vitality. But for the rest of the, the world, you know, children over the age of like 16 or so on up to the older people, I like to use, I like to use the lower potencies. I really do. Um, unless you know someone has super high vitality, like my one son that I talk about all the time. He responds only to 200s. But you just have to have your arsenal on hand. You have to have your kits on hand because when you're sick, you need to be able to just reach for that particular remedy. And I know when I first started investing in my homeopathic remedies, I I was buying them individually. I would order one or two or three. I finally started buying the kits. And I... I did. My first investment was like 700 My next investment was 1200 But I've never had, like I said, in 20 years, I've taken three kids to the doctor. And that was only basically to get things checked out, make sure it wasn't a secondary infection because um, one couldn't talk. One was the law because the head injury. And the other one, I just wanted the doctors, I wanted to check for strep because her tonsils had swollen so close. You know, we talked about her tonsils had swollen, her throat shut basically, <laughs> And I could see the white spots, and I wanted her to check for strep. It wasn't strep, as it turned out. It was just super, super swollen. And and oddly enough, the white spots were not strep. So we went home, and we fought it, and we found her remedy. And, and so she knows her remedy now whenever she starts having problems. With an arsenal of homeopathic remedies on hand and a few items, you can literally fight just about anything. Okay, so with that, I'm going to let you go. I hope I helped a little bit. You know, like I said, they like to scare us with all these diseases coming down the pike. And you know what? It's really not that scary if you have the homeopathic remedies on hand. Even Ebola, we talked about that. You know, if if you had the infection Ebola and it got to the point where it became hemorrhagic, crotalus, crotalus horror is the remedy that would help to get that under control. You really don't need to be afraid of all this stuff. 
You just have to have yourself an arsenal of homeopathic remedies. All right. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.